Amen. Well, you guys can be seated, and let's open our Bibles and uh, go with me to the book of Acts. We are going to be in the book of Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, you can follow along with us. If you download the Bible app, you can find us on events there. Kind of follow along with the scriptures and take notes if you'd like. Or our ushers are coming around. They've got a copy of God's Word. If you don't have it, just uh, get their attention. They would love to give you one. And if you don't own a, own a Bible, would you just take that one with you? It's a gift. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. We are in Acts chapter 4 this morning, and this year at Harvest, we our goal is to tell 100 stories. And here's why. Because we believe that when people encounter God, their lives will never be the same again. Their lives will be transformed by His glory, and then they will be mobilized for His mission. And I believe that that could happen to you. I believe that you could be changed by God and you would have a story worth telling. We've been looking at the story of a man named Peter, and last week we saw what Peter was like before the cross. Today, uh, we're going to look at his story after the resurrection, and I want you to be able to see there's a massive difference in his life, because Jesus in, er, Peter encountered Jesus after he arose from the dead, and he was never the same again. Now, I know something about you. I know that you want your life to matter. You want that? I know that about you, not because I've been like stalking your Instagram or like hacking your Amazon Echo or anything. That's like super creepy, and I don't even know how to do that, okay? The reason I know that is because it's just part of being a human, and especially living around here, right? Here in Northern Virginia, we're kind of impressive people, and we are determined people. We, we, we run businesses and work for the government and the military, and we interface with the, uh, with the Pentagon, and, and we speak multiple languages. And let's just be honest, this is kind of a unique area. Not everybody can survive this culture around here, especially the traffic, amen? Uh, but we can. We can. But if we're honest, even though we're driven and determined, we would also have to admit most of us would say, Something's kind of missing. Like something needs to be changed. Does anybody know what a newspaper is? Has anybody ever heard of one of those things? Okay, so back in the day in, in our nation's history, once upon a time, there were these things called a newspaper, and you would open it up, and you could read about what was happening in the world. And there was this one section in the newspaper that was called the obituaries. Anybody ever read the obituaries? Oh, that's super creepy. You don't do that. Okay, so in the obituaries, it listed all the people that had just recently passed away. Now we don't do that. We, we just post it on social media. If somebody passes away, we, we, we make a post and, and we put some pics up there and maybe we uh, put some comments and some memories. We tell a story about their life. And so I just want to say, like, just for example, what, what if you died today? Man, that is morbid. I'm like, glad I came here today, right? Well, I th it, 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 sometimes it's good for us to uh, evaluate and, and just kind of take stock of our life. Is that okay that we do that today? What, what if, if you died today and the people closest to you posted a memoir about your life, what would they write about you? Now, now, some of you might be a little bit more concerned about which pics that they would actually post, but hopefully your friends would have some, some good things to say. Maybe it would be moving. It would be really emotional. Maybe it would demonstrate that you've made an incredible impact on a whole lot of people. But it's possible 
that you might not like what they have to say. It's possible that, you know, maybe, maybe your life hasn't exactly turned out the way you dreamed that it would. Or, or that currently, like right now, you're nowhere close to where you really want to be. Or maybe you would just say, like, I, 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 wish, I wish I would have done more. I wish it would have been a little different. Do you want the story of your life to change? Peter... Last week, we saw him at a really low point. I'm going to be honest, it was kind of embarrassing how badly he messed up, but that was not the end of the story. And I think you and I can learn a little bit from him. If you want a big idea this morning, it's this. The story of your life can be changed by the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. Do you know that? I want to show it to you. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Starting in verse 1, he says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed. Why? Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. But on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? I got like a mean voice when you say that. How, how did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now here's what I want to do. I want to break up this big idea and I want to show you the contrast in Peter's life so that, that you will know this too, that the story of your life can be changed. We like Peter. Uh, the reason we like Peter is because Peter lives life out loud. I mean, Peter is, is bold and he's, he's just out there. He talks a lot and he can say some really profound things and the next he turns around and puts his foot in his mouth and sounds like an idiot. He, but, but he always keeps it entertaining. You want this kind of a guy around you because you never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to do next. We kind of relate to Peter because he just, he messes up just like we do. But here he is encountering, verse 1 says, he, he comes into contact with the, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees. These are the religious leaders, okay? These are the religious people. And, and they, the text says, are greatly annoyed. That, that word greatly annoyed means angry annoyed. 
This is how you feel when you come home after a long day at work and, and you have like a three-hour commute or something, and it feels like that. And by the time you finally get home and you're about to park in your spot and somebody else parked in your spot, or worse, your neighbor parked just enough over the line so that you can't get your car in, like, ugh, that's the kind of feeling that they have at the moment. They are Kicked off. Why? Why? It says because they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so, so Peter and John, just before this, had been walking into the temple in the city of Jerusalem when they ran into a lame man. And not, not, not lame like he told corny jokes lame, but lame like he couldn't walk lame. And as soon as Peter saw him, he's like, hey, hey, look up here, look up here. In the name of Jesus Rise up and walk. And the guy literally just stands up walking and leaping and praising God. And all, and all the people are like, man, that's cool. And so they come running to hear what Peter has to say. So what does he do? He steps up and he starts telling them about Jesus. Shocker, not everybody likes it when you talk about Jesus. And you got these like Sadducees guys. They're, these Sadducees are really into themselves. They're the religious guys that have power and uh, political influence, and they don't like Jesus, okay? Um, Jesus was a threat to them, and uh, they hate him. And they also don't believe in any resurrection either. Nobody wants to be a Sadducee, because they're so sad, you see? Was that lame? That was pretty lame. Anyway, so, so going into chapter 4, I just got to tell you, Peter, up to this point, has really been knocking that out of the park, okay? He's been batting a thousand. In chapter 2, he preached this sermon where literally like 3,000 people believed and were baptized. That was before Billy Graham even showed up on the scene. And then at the end of chapter 2, even more people were coming to Christ every single day. And now he does this miracle, just like Jesus did, and the crowds come running, and so he starts preaching to them too. And there's all this excitement there's there's all this positive energy. It's a great time to be leading this explosive movement. The church has started, and it is taking off. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's on a roll right now. It looks like it's unstoppable. But then we get to chapter 4, and everything hits the brakes. Because this is, this is the first time that Peter and the early church are facing opposition. And so because the enemy comes out to fight, all this momentum, all this movement just comes to a stop. Actually, that's not what happened. Did, did you see that? That's, that's not what happened. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's, that's not what happened. Go ahead and tell him. That's not what happened. Did you see it? Did you notice? Nothing stops. Peter doesn't hit the brakes. He, he, he's not trying to hide this time. That's what stands out because it's so different than the last time when he was in trouble. See, uh, last week we saw Peter was in trouble after Jesus had been arrested. Except uh, then, instead of facing down a pack of angry religious leaders with like scary looking beards and mean pointy eyes, that's probably how they look, and they've, they've got power and political influence, they want to kill him. Okay, Then, he was confronted by a slave girl. Big bad Peter was bested by a girl. I mean, he, he, he had been so sure of himself, so full of pride, that even when Jesus 
predicted that he was going to deny him. Peter had so much passion and, and confidence in his own resolve, in his own determination. He's like, no way, it's not going to happen. He thought that he could handle it on his own. But when the moment of truth came for him to stand up and acknowledge Jesus in front of a girl who recognized him, he freaked. And he gave in to fear. He denied and he lied that he even knew who Jesus was. He's trying to hide and avoid getting into trouble and save his own skin. And we read that, we're like, come on, man, that's dirty. And if Peter's story had ended right there in that moment, what a disappointment he would have been, right? So, so, so do you see the change here now? Look, look at verse 7. Do you see the change in him? When they, it says, when they had set him in the midst. So, so, so they put him in the pack of this angry religious guys. I mean, he is surrounded on all sides, and, and he's basically on trial, and they're asking him, by what power, by what name did you do this? This is a dangerous moment for Peter. Because these guys, there could be some serious consequences. These are the Jews in the same city where Jesus had just been unjustly tried and murdered. But instead of backing down, instead of a flat denial, instead of trying to weasel his way out of the question or even just water it down, I love Peter just steps right up and he tells it to him like it is. In fact, he tells it to him so much, it's so bold that verse 13, they said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They're looking at these guys, they're like, this doesn't even make sense. Peter, he's just a fisherman, right? Like, how, how did this guy get so influential? He doesn't have a master's degree. He never went on Oprah. He, he's, he doesn't even know what a TED Talk is, and he's probably never read, like, how to win friends and influence people, and yet thousands of people want to come listen to this guy. And you've got to think the Sadducees, they're probably a little bit jealous at this point because they've never done a miracle like Peter just did. And, and, and they only wish that they had as many people, like, want, clamoring to hear them talk and, and, and listen to what they have to say. And here's the hard part. This guy had to get them because they started realizing that they could threaten all they wanted, but Peter's not afraid anymore. That word boldness there actually means to speak freely. No fear. Not hiding, not backing down, not, not, not watering down, not scared of any consequences. And listen, listen, I know Peter's kind of dumb sometimes, but Peter's not stupid. He knows that in this moment, if he makes a stand for Jesus Christ, it could cost him his life. But now he's bold and fearless in the face of persecution and death because he's living with a purpose. He is on mission with no fear and no reservation. And I know because you want your life to matter. I know that you read that and you're like, man, I want that. I want that in my life. I want that kind of change. Do you know this can happen to you too? The story of your life can change. It is possible for you to be set free from all the crazy cycle that, that, that you're stuck in that just seems like you're trapped. You don't have to live in shame and fear of all that stuff that you've been hiding in the dark closets of your life that you don't want anyone to ever find out about. And you, it's, it's possible for you to kind of go from a seemingly meaningless 
just kind of existing day to day, but trying to post some really cool pics so that I make my life seem more exciting than it really is, to really living with purpose and with passion. It's possible for you, even now, to know that your story is going to have a happy ending. You say, how, how, how's it possible? Like, how does it happen? How, how can you go from being trapped in sin and ashamed of failure or just feeling stuck to experiencing life transformation? Well, I want you to know, Peter, before, he'd been trusting in himself. It's kind of part of his personality. I mean, he's a, he's a risk taker. He was strong. He, he had a can-do attitude. But Peter found out he couldn't do it. He failed. And all of his passion and all of his potential, such a disappointing word, isn't it? It was all wasted because of his shortcomings. He found out the hard way that you and I do not have the strength and the power to overcome sin and temptation on our own. Jesus had told Peter what was going to happen, but the problem was he thought that he could change that narrative on his own. And, and I know that some of you have felt the sting and, and the disappointment, maybe even the shame, of your own overconfidence and then failure. I mean, how many times have you started a new resolution? And you're, you're like, from, from here on out, things are going to be different. I mean, this time, I, I'm like, you really mean it. And you are determined to change. And you're convinced it's going to happen because you really want it. But listen, listen. If you want your life to change, then you need to know this. You can't change your story in your own power. It's not something Peter did. It was something Peter believed. See, the life of Peter was changed by the story worth telling. And it's the only thing that can make a difference in your life as well. Do you know this? The story of your life can be changed by the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. Look, look at what they noticed in verse 13. Like, obviously, they're like, man, this is crazy. You guys are just, you're uneducated. You're common, so they're astonished. But then they recognized, the text says, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Not just that they knew some intellectual facts about Jesus, that they could prepare for a test, or that they could, you know, rehash, rehearse the story, but they had literally been with Jesus. They've been walking with him. They've been talking with him. We call that a relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because he's the only one that can change your life. I know you're thinking like, yeah, we're in church. Didn't see that one coming, right? But, but, but I, I, do you see it in Peter? Do you see the difference that it made? And, and, and Peter had believed the gospel and it changed his life. And then, guess what? It gave him real purpose. It clarified why he was here, and it compelled him to tell others. 
And so I want you to see it back in verse 7. I want you to watch what he does, how he responds. When the Jews, in verse 7, they're questioning him about the miracle. The problem is, they can't deny that that happened. We've got a crippled guy. Well, he used to be crippled. Now he's not. And so they're like, how did that happen? How, how is it possible for this guy who couldn't walk yesterday, and now he's like running and jumping up and down like he's ready to join the Israeli soccer team? How is that possible? And so Peter says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Love that. Like, there's just no fear, and God is literally giving him the words. And he's like, man, if you really want to know how this is possible, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Verse 10, he says, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. And you could just see Peter pointing his finger right at him. Like, I know you know who Jesus is because you killed him. If he didn't realize that he was a dead man then, he does now, right? Like, you just stepped in it. You can't go back from that. You killed him. That was the worst day in the history of the world. You see, those religious leaders, they were supposed to be the one that were teaching the people. They were the ones that were supposed to be leading God's people to worship God. But instead, they incited the crowd to turn on the Son of God, their Creator. And they cried out for His execution, and they murdered the one who made them. And so as Peter's pointing a finger at him, I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, get them, Peter. Like, they deserve it. Get out of But before we start dumping on the bad guys... I got to remember, that was my fault too. Now, I wasn't physically present there 2,000 years ago, but it was because of my sin. It was because of your sin that Jesus was nailed to that cross. And as Peter's pointing this out, you know that was actually God's plan? you know that? Isaiah 53 says he's the one who did it. It says that he, Jesus, was smitten by God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, meaning God meant to do that. Like, why? Why? Because the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, you and I deserve to be judged by God, but Jesus took on our sin, and he took our place. It's like he stepped in front, and as God's wrath and his righteous judgment against sin, he crushed his son, Jesus. See, Peter knew that. Peter knew that he didn't deserve it, but that Jesus had gone to the cross for him and all of his sin, even the sin of his, of his denial, even that shameful sin, it had all been paid for. It was forgiven. But that's not the best part. He says, Jesus, verse 10, whom you crucified, listen, he didn't stay dead, whom God raised from the dead. Do you remember that day? Do you remember? You thought you had won. You thought you got rid of him. You thought it was over and that he was just some criminal dying for his crimes. But you didn't understand that the same God who crushed him in wrath for sin also raised him in glory on that Easter Sunday morning. And he is risen. He is alive because death could not defeat him and the grave could not hold him. And he says, it's by him that this man is standing before you well. That same power has the power to heal. Do you see this guy? 
like just a couple of days ago, this guy's legs were, you know, weak and useless and, and atrophied, and, and, and now they're strong, and they're able to help him stand, and he's jumping around. And this is a picture of the power of Christ to save and to restore, because only Jesus can fix the brokenness in our world. And that's super good news for us, because we all feel it. We're all impacted by the, 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 the darkness and the violence around us and, and the shootings and the protests and the injustice and the immorality and the pain and the sickness. And then it starts to hit kind of close to home because death looms over us all like a terrifying enemy. But it does not have to be the end of the story because Jesus can save. And so he says in Verse 12. Man, this is so important. In fact, if your neighbor doesn't have it underlined in their Bible, go ahead and do that for them. Uh, they need this. Verse, verse 12. This is so important. Do you hear this? There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's it. He's our only hope. He is the only way. Now, I just want to be honest with you for just a minute, okay? Can we, can we just be honest? Maybe some of you, when you hear that, you're thinking, does, does that sound kind of arrogant? I mean, you're basically saying that your way is the right way and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, that, that's an exclusive truth claim, right? That, that, that you're saying that Jesus has the corner market on the right way and you have to believe in him. And, and I know maybe you're thinking it because a lot of people are. Like, you know, I know all sorts of nice people. And they're not Christians. They, they don't necessarily believe in Jesus, but they're super nice. You're telling me they're not okay? You're telling me they're wrong? Why does Peter say that? It's because Jesus said that. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this. You know it. I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says that if you don't go through Him, you are always going to be lost. And He claims to be the Son of God who never lies. And so, so, so the real question in this moment then is, can I trust Jesus? Why, why should I believe what Jesus says? Well, see, here's, this, is, this is why Easter is so important. Okay, so I want, I want you to think with me just for a minute. Before Jesus died, do you know that he predicted three times that he was going to die? Before it happened, he said it was going to die. Now, I could do that. I could run around and tell you that, like, hey, I'm going to die. You'd be like, yeah, I know. That's the way it works. Okay, I, I might not be able to tell you how I'm going to die like Jesus did, but Jesus predicted three times that he was going to die. But here's the kicker. Here's the, this is the important part. He also said ahead of time, that not only was he going to die, but that he was going to be raised to new life, that he wouldn't stay dead. Now, here's the deal. If somebody says they're going to do something, but then they don't do it, it either means they can't do it or they can't be trusted. Kids, help me out. Kids, hey, um, let's just say for a minute, I, I'm, I, if I made a promise to you and I said, hey, I'm going to take you to Chick-fil-A. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A. We're going to have to go tomorrow. It's Sunday. We can't go today. So we'll go tomorrow. I promise you we're going to go to Chick-fil-A. How many of you want to go to Chick-fil-A? 
Yeah, of course you want to go to Chick-fil-A. Who doesn't want to go to Chick-fil-A? So here's the deal. You get all excited because I promised you that it's going to happen, and then tomorrow comes, and it doesn't happen. You're going to be like, man, Pastor Jeff is cheap. <laughs> or he's a liar, and I can't trust him because he didn't follow through with his promise. The same is true for Jesus. If he's still dead, don't trust him. But if he really did, if he came back to life, just like he said he was going to, then I can trust him. And I have to take everything that he said seriously. And here's the deal. When Peter went to that tomb on Sunday morning, guess what? It was empty. He wasn't there. Why? He saw Jesus alive then. In fact, he became an eyewitness to the fact that Jesus Christ really was resurrected. And he wasn't the only one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that Jesus appeared in live and in the flesh to more than 500 people all at one time. What he's trying to say is he is risen. And because he's alive, he alone can conquer sin and death. There is no other way. There is no other way. But if we understand that it's because of my sin that I, we ruined this world in the first place, it's my fault, then I'm blown away that there even is a way. It's grace, and I don't deserve it. But when I begin to understand that Jesus really is the only way, it gives clarity for why I'm here. I, I got a purpose. Are you living on mission? Do you have an urgency to get out there and tell lost sinners that there is a Savior and there is salvation in no one else, that this is the story worth telling? And see, that's Peter right here. Do you see what he's doing? He's, he's urging these religious leaders to trust in Jesus. Love that. It's kind of crazy, actually, uh, because these guys are supposed to be the uh, good guys, in their culture, right? They, they, they're, they're the teachers, they're the preachers, and, and these are the guys that get invited to pray at the mayor's lunch, and they give money to the Red Cross. They look the part, but they miss salvation. Why? Because they were trusting in themselves. They didn't think they needed Jesus. They were operating in this system that thought, you know, like if I could just do enough good works that'll outweigh my bad works and God will accept me. I'll be able to go to heaven. It'll be okay. Now, I know you're not trying to be like these religious guys. But you might think like them. Maybe, maybe you think that you can, you can do it. You can, you can earn it. You can, you can be a better person. You, you can try harder. You think you have the power in yourself to change. And listen, your story does need to change, but let me make something really clear here. It's not about just becoming a better version of yourself. The Bible is not a do-it-yourself guide to a better you. It's not just tips and advice for self-improvement so that you can get to you 2.0, okay? And if you walk out of here thinking that you just got to muster up some more grit and determination to just work harder so that you can change yourself and, and be a better person, you're going to miss it. The problem is, it's not that we need to be saved from a boring existence. And we don't just need improvement. We need to be saved from our sin. See, we are broken. We are 
sinners. And our sin separates us from God. We are guilty. And we deserve death. But salvation is in no one else. And so if we're trusting in ourselves and what we do in order to get to heaven, we're not trusting in Jesus alone. And the Bible says that we're going to spend eternity in hell. But that doesn't need to be your story. The story of your life can change. You can't change your story. But there is one who can. You say, what, 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 what do I do? I, verse 12 says, there's no other name by which we must be saved. And so Romans 10 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You call out to God today, God save me. Verse 9 says, because if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? And do you believe that he rose again so that you can live with him? It's not anything you do. It's what Jesus has done for you. And all we do is receive this gift from God of eternal life. In fact, I've got a gift now. I couldn't say Chick-fil-A out loud and not deliver at, at some level here. So, hey, um, Gavin, can you come up here, buddy? I, I got something I want to give to you. Come on up here, man. I, I've got a gift. This is... Um, you're, you're going to like this. This is a Chick-fil-A card, okay, buddy? That is basically gold. You can have it. It is a gift for you. Go spend it all in one place. Yes. Love you. Uh, did you notice something? He did not pay for that. He didn't, he didn't give me anything in order to, because that's not what you do. It's a gift. You don't buy, you don't earn, and you certainly don't repay a gift. But you're going to have to trust that the money's on there. Because that thing's just basically a piece of plastic until I walk into the store and say, hey, I want to put 10 bucks on it, and then I actually pay for it, right? The mo money's on there, by the way. You'll find out tomorrow whether I'm lying or not, but it's on there, okay? This is the way it works for us, that God is offering us a gift. Your sin needs to be paid for, but because of the cross, I know my sin is paid for, it's done, and I can be forgiven. And he wants to offer you a gift. Listen, because he's alive, I can live too. And the story of my life can be forever changed. Let's pray. And while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I just, I want to ask you, have you done that? Has there been a point in your life where you trusted in Jesus for salvation? You began to understand. You knew it. Like, I'm guilty. And I know that Jesus died for me. And you put your trust in him. If it is, then man, I'm telling you, this is the day to celebrate, isn't it? Because he's alive. That means you are alive as well. And you have the promise of eternal life. But if you've never done that, and you realize today, say, I want to know that I'm going to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. 
you need to, you realize you need to trust Jesus today. Do you know that you can do that right now? And, and, and everybody's heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around, but, but you can just pray right where you're at. Call out on the name of the Lord. You can just pray to him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know it. I know I am guilty. And I don't deserve it. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Please save me. I believe you're alive and I want to live with you forever. You can cry out to God to ask him to save you right now. And he will. Everybody's heads are still bowed. Everybody's eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But if you just did that, if you're saying, I want to do that, I want to know today that I have eternal life and I want to be saved from my sins. I'm, I just prayed that prayer or I want to do that right now. And would you do something for me? Nobody else is looking around, but would you just lift up your head and look right at me, kind of quietly slip your hand into the air because I just want to pray for you, okay? You say, that's me. I, I want to trust Jesus for salvation today. I want to know that I have eternal life. Is that you? Lord, we're trusting that you are going to work in the lives of your people to help us understand we have great reason to rejoice and celebrate today because you are alive. Death could not defeat you. And the grave could not hold you. So we give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, I'm praying that even now, our hearts would be drawn to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.